this week I seem to have been listening to a bunch of talks, a bunch of some podcasts and talks, um, not necessarily Buddhist related or practice related, but what was coming up for me was I was hearing a lot of things that are, that were like Dharma teachings. And uh, it might it might be my my conditioning, the lens through which I see the world, or it might just be that there's so much wisdom that fits in with what the Buddha taught that it's easy to kind of for me um, go, oh my goodness, this is exactly what the teachings are. I remember I've read a number of books over the years that were not Buddhist at all, but I was I it just was so in line with the, these teachings and this way of viewing the world and viewing reality. Um, and and I find that really helpful because it's like, you know, it's it's supporting what I'm doing in in another and giving me another way of looking at things, some more vocabulary than just the particular vocabulary. Um, if you just stick with the suttas or the the Buddhist lens. And so this week it seemed like there was a whole bunch of that stuff coming at me, and so that was uh, the inspiration for what I want to talk about. I just want to talk about some of those things I heard, and they kind of they kind of go into a flow. And that's why I called this Dharma everywhere. And Dharma is everywhere. Dharma is the way it is. I mean, in the teachings, Dharma is there. The teachings, the actual, uh, the teachings of the Buddha, the scriptures, um, the suttas, and then there's it's the way it is. And so Dharma is everywhere. But this this stuff I was hearing seems to reinforce it. Um, the first the first thing that jumped out at me. Uh, was when I was listening to, this is actually a Buddhist context, Pamela Ayoyatunde is a woman who, she is one of the co-authors of this new, no, not co-author, co-editor of this new book that just came out, Black and Buddhist, which is um, all African-American um, Buddhist teachers and writers writing about, what did they say? Leading African-American Buddhist teachers offer lessons on racism, resilience, spiritual freedom, and the possibility of a truly representative American Buddhism. And she did a, there's a conference that kind of goes along with it that's happening right now. And she did a little video talking about what to expect in the conference. And what she did in this little video is she sang a few lines from Bob Marley's redemption song. And I'm not sure if you all know that song. It's really a wonderful, wonderful song. You should uh, uh, find it and listen to it. Um, I know I have had to because it's been running through my head all week since I listened to this. But there's two lines in there that fit perfectly. And she actually pointed to these two lines. And they are, emancipate yourself from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our minds. I mean, that is so, that could be from a sutta. You know, thus I have heard the Buddha said, emancipate yourself from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds. That's what the Buddha is talking about when he is saying, you know, we are stuck in this conditioning. We are stuck in these ways of of thinking, of believing, and we come, become prisoners to it because we don't look at it, you know, and only we can free ourselves, this, this, this willingness to sit and look and, um, 
examine what's going on, uh, to recognize where we struggle, to notice our suffering. Well, that was the, the, you know, the root of the Buddhist teaching. This is suffering. Here's the, this is what suffering is. And here's the path away from suffering. There is a path away from it. And nobody is going to give us a magic pill. There's no pixie dust that we can get sprinkled on us to have us go poof. Oh yeah, we're all better. It's actually the work we have to do ourselves. Um, and that's kind of what the Buddha said, you know, on, on his deathbed, be a light unto yourselves. You know, his, his attendants were and his disciples, the monks were all crying because the Buddha was dying. And he's like, really, it's okay. I gave you everything you need to free yourselves. So just, just study the teachings, do the practice, and you'll find your way to liberation. And, um, that then there was like something right after that that I was listening to. I don't even remember what it was, but they quoted the famous line from Aristotle, which is uh, the unexamined life is not worth living. And that fits right into it. If we are caught in this conditioning, which we are um, uh, bombarded with from the day we're born. I mean, sometimes we have, you know, intergenerational trauma that we carry with us too. And then we have this conditioning from our families, from the world around us, telling us we're, we're not good enough. We're, we're not the right, we're not the right shape. We're not the right size. We're not the right color. We're not from the right place. We don't love the right people. We're not, we're too young. We're too old. All these things coming at us. And then, um, we buy into that. That's that mental slavery that actually Bob Marley got from Marcus Garvey, who was a Jamaican um, uh, leader and um, considered a wise man by the Rastafarians. But if we if we don't examine this and get stuck in this mental um, trapped in this way of thinking. It's really, it can be really painful. We can be stuck in this suffering and not understand why. That's why we have to examine. And that's what we do on the cushion. We begin to turn towards what, what's happening. Not in tomorrow, not in yesterday, but what's happening right here. Let me begin to investigate. What is this? That's what we do when, we're, when we come to the cushion when we close our eyes or not close our eyes, depending on your tradition, when we stays present, what's happening? Oh, there's that story again, or there's this emotion coming up. It's so easy to get distracted. You all know that. I mean, we're distracted all the time, but when we close our eyes or come to the practice, then we see how dramatic this, this distraction is, how easy we get caught up in these stories. Um, and when we begin to, pay attention, begin this examination of where we get stuck. Then we begin to see it. Oh, that's what's causing this discomfort, that old story. And it's, and it's really important to investigate the mind. I mean, that's the, 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 the very famous lines in the Dhammapada, you know, mind follows mind. It's our, our intention. You know, if we're not paying attention, we're just going to uh, get stuck in the same places we're stuck in. We're going to get caught in that craving, wanting things to be a certain way, believing the stories we're told. 
and thinking that this will be bring us joy or happiness. And so we have to really um, be willing to stop and go, is this even true? Because sometimes we're so far away from reality because we're stuck in the story. And when we, I know I've had that experience many, many, many times. I'm right here, but my head is somewhere else. Fit myself, keep myself in my box. My head is over here and I'm living life as though this were true. You know, this story, you're saying that this is happening. This means this, you know, all those those things I've been told. You're so uncoordinated. You'll never you'll never fit in You're blah, 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 blah. And these things I've developed on my own instead of coming to the present and going, no, what's really true? What's really happening? What's what's these what's underneath the chatter of the mind? That's when we come to the cushion and we calm down and we slow and we quiet and we make space for what's underneath to come up. And then this leads me to another line. I was listening to a podcast code switch and they played another podcast where they were talking to this man, um, Dr. Eddie Glaude, who wrote a book last year, uh, public, published last year about James Baldwin. And he said um, that Baldwin believed that we're not just the product of human forces. This conditioning that I was just talking about, the, the, the messages we get from family and society, we're not just that. But we have a final choice in who we are. And he said, America in its racist, racist assumptions had indelibly shaped who Baldwin was, but he insisted we are not the mere product of social forces. Each of us has a say in who we take ourselves to be. No matter what America said about him as a black person, Baldwin argued he had the last word about who he was as a human being. Obviously, this is a very specific instance, but it's the same thing. We get these messages. He was told he was not good enough and he was queer. He was a gay man. He was black and he was gay. And so he had both of those to deal with. And so whatever our particular case is, we are told and given messages and we can buy into that. Or we can say, this is not true. How do I tend to those stories in my head and to the deep wounding that we all have internally, this, these, these deep wounds that we all carry with us? We have to examine these, this, we have to examine these stories. We have to examine the, the beliefs we have about each other, especially if they cause suffering and cause harm and make a choice whether to believe them or not. And it leads to so much suffering, you know, when we're caught in the delusion and it is delusion, we're harmed and we can cause harm for others. If this, this is, this happens, we believe the stories we're told about ourselves and then we believe the stories about others. We begin to others, other people, you know, these people are like this, those people are like that. And we see it everywhere all the time. There's so much suffering, you know. There's so much bullshit that's just been floating around forever. These society, these messages that society tells us, this, these, ugh. anyway, you know what I'm saying. So it can be really, um, 
it's really important to investigate that and be willing to say, no, I'm not going to buy into that. That's the examined life that we have to live in because we have the final say in this. Ehipasiko is the word in the teachings, you know, find your own way. Buddha said, don't believe it just because I say it. Don't believe it just because other people tell you. Don't believe the stories just because they've moved in and taken rent in your head your whole life. Does it cause harm? Does it cause suffering? Then look at it. Be willing to let go of what doesn't serve, of what causes harm. It's a, it's a challenging, it's a challenging path, but it's a really important path. Then, I don't know where all this stuff came from this week, but then I listened to a podcast uh, or uh, something. I don't remember what it was. And there was, they were talking about something and um, they were talking about one of the things they mentioned was this woman, Carol Dweck who wrote a book a number of years ago, about five years ago, called Mindset. I'd never heard of it. And she talks about fixed mindsets and growth mindsets. And when she talks about fixed mindsets, it sounds just like what the Buddha talks about in fixed ideas and the fixed sense of self, Sakaya Ditti. I talked about that last week where we have this idea of the way it is, the way we are, this, it, it cannot change. And that causes great suffering. And because we're fixed in it. And she says, what we need to do is develop a growth mindset, which is like, oh, this is the way it is right now, but it doesn't, it's not necessarily set in stone. We constantly change. We're conditioned beings. This arises because this happens. You know, we're not, these, there's no fixed self. It's, it's constantly evolving. And if you look into neuroscience, it's, there's, there's constantly shifting and moving and the malleability and the plasticity of the brain is extraordinary. It's when we hold on to the ideas that we suffer. Like I said, everything's changing, but if we hold on to what we think we need or what we think is important, then it's really painful. And she said, and um, they talk about the, her book and says, it's an inquiry into the power of our, our beliefs, both conscious and unconscious, and how changing even the simplest of them can have a profound impact on nearly every aspect of our lives. Again, examining our beliefs, that examined mind, examining the messages we've heard and be willing to change even the simplest of them. And she said, this is, this is really important. This is where so much, so many problems arise, both for ourselves and with people's interactions with others. Um, a fixed mindset assumes that our character, intelligence, and creative ability are static givens, which we can't change in any meaningful way. And that we um, measure up, we're constantly measuring up against an equally fixed standard, striving for success, striving, the craving, attachment, clinging, and avoiding failure at all costs, aversion. You know, we're 
grabbing onto or pushing away. What's the Buddha talking about in suffering? We're clinging and we're pushing away. And the problem, the biggest problem with this fixed mindset, which is so perfect, believing your that your qualities are carved in stone creates an urgency to prove yourself over and over. If you have only a certain amount of intelligence, a certain personality, and a certain moral character, when it's hooked on the moral character, well, then you better prove that you have a healthy dose of them. It simply wouldn't do to look or feel deficient in these most basic characteristics. That is what drives so many people when they're, something is pointed out. This is not right. This is, you know, I, I think this is what we see in politics today in this tension. It's like you're doing it wrong. And it's like I, that means I'm not a good person. This is this internalized. If you are coming at me and telling me what you're saying, what you believe is not good, and there's a fixed mindset, then there's this idea of then you're telling me I'm no good. If my ideas or the way I'm thinking are no good, then I'm no good. And we have to be careful about getting caught in that and be willing to let go and, again, examine. If I am constantly in turmoil internally, and there's this, this I like to think of it because this is what it felt like. My guts were tied up like a pretzel. If my guts are tied up like a pretzel, I have to pay attention to that. If my jaw is tight, if my shoulders are around my ears, if my, my, my hands are balled into a fist, I have to pay attention to that. What's going on? And not blaming, but really being willing to investigate. You know, that's when we're stuck on something outside of ourselves for approval. Yeah. When we're conditioned to believe that it has to be a certain way to be happy, to be at ease. We make the world very personal when it's not. It's not that personal. Eight worldly wins. Stuff happens to everybody. Can we grow with it? Can we be with it? Can we be willing to be, you know, um, go much more flowing rather than rigid? Like I, I was saying in the meditation instructions, relax the body, relax the mind. It's when we get tight and rigid. That's when we're, we're holding up, you know, we're fighting everything. And this, this, these teachings are about opening up, growing, not fixed and rigid, but being open to see something different. Not stuck on these moral, thinking that it's morally one way or the other. That's, that's when you start veering off into fundamentalism and, and these really, you know, it can only be one way. Nothing. I was, like I said, I talked about that last week with the fetters, the, the, the first three fetters, this rigid view of self and this, this fixation with the way things have to be. That's what, that's what is dropped away when we move into a path towards liberation. And this last quote that I um, that I had uh, was also from James Baldwin, and it's it's it it is um, I just when I heard this I was like oh my goodness this is this is brilliant and again it kind of um, 
moves right into the Buddha's teaching, one of the most important teachings of the Buddha, at least in my in my mind. Um, Glaude, the one, the author of the book about um, Baldwin said that Baldwin never gave up on the fundamental sacrality of all human beings, that we are all sacred. And I, I talked about this last month. We are all sacred. There's no, it's not out there that we have to strive towards. But just the fact that we are human beings, you know, in the, in the, in the story of the Buddha's enlightenment, when Mara said, who do you think you are? to that you're going to go around teaching people this stuff. And the Buddha put his hand on the ground and the earth bore him witness. Basically, he said, just because I am, I am a human being. We are all um, sacred and valuable. And, and Baldwin said, this is the quote, we should create a self without the need for enemies. We need to create a self without the need for enemies, which reminded me of that one sutta, the Rajan Sutta, which says, just as we hold ourselves dear, we acknowledge that everyone holds themselves dear. So we're all equal. We all cherish ourselves. And so as we cherish ourselves, we need to cherish others. There's no, there's no conditional love. There's no conditional kindness. It's because we're human beings, period. No, we're not enemies of each other. That's the, the Metta Sutta says that. In fact, I pulled it up because I can never remember it. It's, you know, you know, let them not do the slightest thing that the wise would later reprove. This is this is just a couple of lines from it. You know, we cherish all beings. Whatever liver, living beings there may be, weak or strong, you know, the great, the mighty, the medium, the shorter, tall, seen and unseen, living near and far away, born and to be born. You know, omitting none. We have to cherish all beings. With a boundless heart, we cherish all beings. So that's kind of specific. And if you cherish all beings, then you do not have enemies. You do not need to other. There are people who are caught up in greed and caught up in hatred and, and totally deluded there are people who cause great harm and they have to be held accountable. That's absolutely part of this. It's not like, oh, I love you. You can walk all over me. That's not what this teaching is. It's that I don't want to harden my heart. I don't want to because that impacts me. It doesn't impact anybody else. It impacts me. You know, every human being is worthy of dignity and respect and kindness and compassion. And this is where I believe the practice of mudita, sympathetic joy, appreciative joy for other people really is a powerful practice. You know, my, my husband likes to watch those shows where it talks about, you know, um, 
the Rockefellers and the DuPonts and back in the 1890s and the 1900s, you know, the, the captains of industry, so to speak. And it's consistent. You know, they all have more money than they know what to do with. Their heirs, you know, a century later are still have more money than they know what to do with. And somebody would, you know, get an invention. And so they'd get, they, you know, they'd get the drop on them. And it's like, I can't let them win. And it's like, why? Why? There's this competition. You know, I can't let the other person get ahead. I can, instead of being happy for others' good fortune, that's a really important cultivation of this. Wholesome good fortune. Wholesome good fortune. Um, there is there is this this need and importance of cultivating loving kindness, compassion, and appreciative joy for ourselves and for others. Holding people accountable for when they cause harm, absolutely. Working to end injustice when we see it, absolutely. It's not, it's not about being engaged with the world. It's absolutely about being engaged in the world. I, I'm, you know, these precepts about not causing harm, it's not just uh, not, not doing something, but ending suffering where we see it, ending harm where we see it. That's part of it, but not with this hatred. Because that's only that's only impacting us. So we don't have to make the other person an enemy in order to to hold them accountable. So um, yeah, we offer love to those who are even in the grips of this greed and hatred and ignorance. You know, because we know they're stuck in the story. They're stuck in that mindset. So and and when we do that, when we are um, or we have to recognize that people who are caught in greed and hatred and delusion, this it disfigures their character and the people who embrace it. So we're all impacted. People who hate don't get away scot-free. That's that's kind of internally crappy I can't think of a word other that's more sophisticated than crappy it's un it's unpleasant and unhealthy um and if we want if we wish for the well-being of all then this is how we this is how we go about it that that willingness to hold other people in our hearts not necessarily in our houses but in our hearts um this is this is a really difficult practice and it takes a long time but maybe even having the intention to walk in that direction because it's healing for us to not carry that hot coal internally in our hearts. Um, and so, you know, these were just some of the things that popped up for me this week and all this, this stuff I've been listening to. And it, it makes me reflect on the university, universality of the Buddhist teachings. And also today I was thinking about this and in wise speech. Uh, uh, it talks about in one of the suttas where it talks, tells the monks appropriate things to talk about. Not a lot, but it means you, you, um, when you are in the company of wise people or people on this path with you, the conversation almost always tends to have these teachings kind of just bubble up. Not necessarily people practicing Buddhism, but people walking with integrity, people walking with a way to not cause harm, 
um, this language kind of comes up and that I can relate to instead of going, oh, you're so different from me and going, oh, I can see where we we have these things in common. And this I was also thinking today about how this makes it that much easier to take refuge in the Dharma. Because the Dharma is everywhere. The Dharma is the way it is. So all these other very wise people have pointed in the same direction that the Buddha pointed in. You know, we have to we have to disentangle ourselves from this deep conditioning. We have to let go of our of our attachment and our and our aversion have to be willing to walk through with a, like I like to call, an undefended heart, open, acknowledging the, the, the delusion and the hatred in the world, but still staying as open as we can um, and not missing out on the joy, you know, not missing out on the joy that's absolutely here. Yeah, and find our own way with it. Yeah, I think that's all I have on this uh, topic this evening. Thank you for visiting Undefended Dharma. These teachings are freely offered. However, if you would like to make a donation to help support the technology that makes these podcasts possible, please visit marystancavage.org backslash support. Thank you.